Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's play some football! Run right through the back of him. Run right through the middle and out the back. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Baby, you're a Hey, hey, welcome to Daytime Fireworks. Coming at you a little earlier this week, short game week and the holiday. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me as always, David Brandt of the Associated Press. David is, uh, I guess, he's always remote, but he is very remote this week. He is on location. Good morning. How are we doing? Good morning. It's the international version from, from Mexico City. Uh, got got a Monday night football game tonight between the 49ers and and Cardinals. The good part about it is, is I didn't know, but Mexico City is in the same time zone. It's basically Central Time Zone. Yeah, so, uh, this is that this is perfect. Nice. We don't have yes. I, don't, I don't have to do math this week. I, exactly. Back when it was two hours apart, because I, for people <laughs> who don't know, I'm based in Arizona now, and we don't have daylight savings time, which is awesome. Except you have to. Yes account for the rest of the country and so about eight months of the year we're on pacific time zone which i like from a sports viewing standpoint it really is like a a sports hack everything mm-hmm. early oh, but that's great. uh and then the rest of the year i'm in the mountain time zone which is nice because like for contacting family and stuff back in mississippi like you know it's just easier that way but there's too much math i was told there would not be math <laughs> Yeah, you know, asking a couple journalism guys to count is 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 asking a lot. Right. Um, to, to two or one. Yeah. Um, but all right, so let's let's get into it. Um, Saturday did not go the way that either of you thought it would. Uh, either of uh, either of us, I should say, <laughs> no. thought it would. Um, it was a it was a bizarre game. Um, I thought, and and I. I think you'll agree with me. And I mean, honestly, I think it, that at this point, a lot of people are going to agree with us here um, just because it was so blatantly obvious and bizarre. But after Ole Miss had 14 points taken off the board and it was 28-6, Ole Miss got a stop, got a chance to cut it. To I would imagine Kiffin was gonna was was planning on scoring and going for two, so it was a two possession game going into halftime. Um, they do not get it done. Arkansas, I, if I remember correctly, gets a short field, 
and then goes up 35-6 going into halftime. That was, to me, I think, when it kind of, that was it. Um, because I think it, it, let's say Jonathan Cruz doesn't miss the field goal. I think it's at least potentially a tie ball game at 17. Um, instead, two touchdowns taken off the board. Some very interesting officiating early on that really dictated this game early. Uh, and then Ole Miss had a, had a turnover, gave Arkansas a short field, and um, the defense was atrocious. I think I pretty much covered it. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, ill-timed penalties for whatever reason, like you said, bringing back two touchdowns and then, you know, not convert turnovers, obviously, and then the ability not being able to tackle, that's a, that's a terrible trio right there. And it really, you know, yeah. it negated everything good they did because they obviously moved the ball really well. I mean, you're looking at the same box score I am for a team to have 463 rushing yards and not even be in the game and have mm-hmm. nearly over 700 total yards and never even yeah. be in the game is just incredible. Like I it's, but I, you know, it, it makes sense once you add everything up, but yeah, I mean, Ole Miss had some tough fortune on the road. Like you said, some tough decisions, things didn't go their way, but that happens to a lot of teams and you gotta, like you said, when you get the opportunity to get back in the game, but once it's 35 to six, it's just, there's just not a lot you can do about it. I mean, our Arkansas to their credit played really well. They were up for senior night. Um, but you know, Ole Miss's defense, which has been kind of hit and miss. I mean, it's obviously talented. They've got people who can get to the quarterback, but you know, just the, the tackling just wasn't very good on Saturday. And so I don't know, just a, just a disappointing night all around. Yeah, it was, it, they were at times able to get pressure on KJ Jefferson. They just could not get home. And when they had opportunities, they couldn't bring him down. And then Rocket Sanders got loose a couple times early, opened things up for the passing game because, I mean, I think at one point he was averaging close to nine yards a carry. So they were throwing yeah, a lot on first down. Yeah, that'll well, help. He averaged yeah. nearly 10 yards a carry for the game. That, that will. That will work. But then you look, you know, Zach Evans averaged 12.2 yards per carry. It, it was just the weirdest, yeah. one of the weirdest box scores I've ever seen. Well, I had a lot of people that were like, you know, well, they had over 700 yards of offense, but a lot of that was in garbage time. Okay, but it's still 700 yards, and they had 200 more than Arkansas. Like, I know that Arkansas was in cruise control and the game was over, but that's still just remarkable that they – were able to get 703 yards of total offense. Well, right. And it wasn't like, I mean, yes, a lot of those 21 points came in the fourth quarter. Obviously, a lot of those yards were involved too. But they were moving the ball before that as well, especially early in the game. You know, we talked about those two touchdowns. I I saw the quote from Lane Kiffin where he said, I didn't think we were flat. You know, we moved the ball. We just, we, those early mistakes and then we couldn't overcome it. We didn't tackle very well and, it just kind of snowballed on him. And I was, I mean, I'm as surprised as anybody, not necessarily that Arkansas won, but just the way it happened, obviously. I thought if Arkansas won, it would be by, you know, a, a lower score, obviously, like 20 foot. They just didn't show anything that that I thought they would be able to put together that offensive performance. Well, yeah. But I, I think Arkansas played well. And then on top of that, Ole Miss just, you know, 
too many mistakes, too many missed tackles. There you go. Lose the turnover battle, 12 penalties for 116 yards. Um, I thought the first quarter of the game was probably the worst officiated game I've ever, the first, the worst officiated quarter I've ever seen in my life. Um, they, they call a hold on Micah Pettis on the first touchdown of the game where Micah Pettis essentially just put his hands on the defensive end's shoulders and the defensive end didn't even really do anything. And it was the complete opposite side of the formation. Like the play went away from that guy. It wasn't even at the point of attack. Right. They call that one back. Um, there was another hold called on Jaden Williams. It was, it was iffy. He didn't grab the defensive end did a nice job of selling it, but then even more like he just, he didn't even grab his Jersey that was called back. I believe on the Dayton Wade touchdown catch. And then man, there were just some that were, I mean, Malik Heath broke free for a long would be completion. He didn't catch it, but the DB grabbed him twice. They threw the flag, then picked it up. Um, I hate to put on the, the tinfoil hat here, but I feel like the SEC, at least this crew, might have been trying to punish Lane Kiffin for some of the things he said last week. I mean, nothing would surprise me. To be, I mean, full disclosure, I was in the air for most of the game, and so I didn't see most of it live. I've watched highlights and all that different stuff. So I didn't see, I mean, I read, you know, on Twitter and all that stuff. So I I certainly believe you, and it's certainly the SEC officiating has been hit and miss throughout my whole lifetime. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the difference is, is, you know, the first quarter you get some, some things go against your way and, and they're, they're, they're big things, but again, the, the really elite teams, you got to find a way to overcome it. They just never could get back going. And so, yeah, it was just, I mean, the, the Cosmos were against Ole Miss on Saturday for whatever reason. And I mean, it was <laughs> it was reasons. the it was the worst kind of cocktail combination because you had the early penalties, you had the early fumble, and KJ Jefferson was playing well. Um, and then I mentioned Rocket Sanders was running wild, and they had some short fields. Like they really didn't have to, like Ole Miss didn't make them drive. And, you know, they didn't have to go the length of the field too often. And I thought as as the game went on, I, you could kind of sense some frustration from the defense and they weren't making plays. Like, Because I don't think – I know a lot of people are saying, well, the Auburn coaching vacancy was a distraction. Like, I mean, like you said, I don't think they played – I mean, the defense was played poorly, but the offense was moving the football. I mean, in the third quarter, I think Ole Miss had like a 14-play drive, and they just came up empty. Like, they just couldn't put it in the end zone. Yeah, um, I mean. And that's just a killer when you're you're trying to come from behind. And even though Ole Miss's offense has been predicated on the run all season long, and you're, you're kind of thinking to yourself, like, this is the worst kind of offense to have when you're behind. But they did a nice job of – I mean, they mixed in some runs and some and some passing downs, and they got big chunk plays. And I thought Dart, I mean, outside of the one interception, he played really well. He was basically running for his life pretty much any time he dropped back to pass, and he did a nice job of of mixing it up. And, and you know, the deep ball was good. Um, I thought he 
threw it extremely well. Um, couple misses here and there, but I think if you're looking in the future and looking towards this th- this game on Thursday, and then looking towards 2023, I think you need. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you got to be happy with Jackson Dart because I think he looks like he's settled into the offense and he's starting to get more and more comfortable in the passing game. Yeah, I thought I don't. I don't think quarterback play is a problem at all right now, and I, I think, like you said, there were some there were some issues in the red zone and. Things didn't work out down there, but I, I've been, yeah, if you're old Miss and you've got Jackson Dart for another, at least another year or so, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing to have right now. He's, he's the least of your worries at this point, I think, going into to 2023. So last thing as we, we close up on this one, um, I think, um, again, looking towards Thursday's game and we'll kind of talk about it here but looking at the box score it's pretty remarkable and I think if you're an Ole Miss fan you're you're even more so shaking your head because I mean Zach Evans was was great and I think that you're kind of you're probably you know really frustrated that he was not able to finish that Alabama game because you know obviously Alabama and Arkansas are two very different defenses but he was a factor early on in that Bama game and before the concussion. I mean, I think that game potentially ends a little differently, or it's just a very different attack for Ole Miss. Whereas, you know, last week or two weeks ago, I should say, I mean, Judkins was just absolutely just out of gas. And I think if you have a healthy Zach Evans that can spell him throughout that second half, could have potentially been a different game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, like we've talked about in previous weeks, when Ole Miss didn't have the combo of Judkins and Evans, it was kind of like, you know, Samson without his hair. That was what made the offense kind of magical. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously it, it didn't really work out but uh, against Arkansas, but still the production from a yardage standpoint was there. That's what made Ole Miss this year different and I, I thought truly elite. And I think the things that pulled it down sometimes were it's, okay, just uh, iffiness on the defense sometimes. Uh, depending on the week. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just been a tough couple weeks for the Ole Miss program. I don't – you know, the whole Lane Kiffin angle and distractions, like Lane Kiffin is a walking distraction. I mean, I don't see why – you know what I mean? Like, like he's dealt with distractions his entire career when he was at FAU, when he was at Alabama. He – you know, I I think it's always kind of overrated how much that affects the players. Um, Yeah, I just – they got beat, and it's it's a shame that, like you said, Evans wasn't healthy for that entire Alabama game because I think, you know, that it just made their offense what it was. Yeah, and, I mean, I think you could see it on Saturday. He was – you could you could kind of see it in his body language that he was, he was geeked to be back out there. And, I mean, he ran with some purpose on Saturday. He had some, some pretty big-time runs. I, I kind of watching some of the highlights and – I mean, he had a couple straight arms on some Arkansas defenders where it looked like he was back in high school and just making people look silly. Um, but, I mean, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. But, you know, him and Judkins both go over 200 for the game. Uh, Judkins breaks the single-season record for uh, yards. Um, broke K.O. Dotley's record. I believe that was 1949. When yeah, I won, mean, Jud- when- Judkins just had an incredible year. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's what a season. 
it's it's remarkable i mean the kid's special um you know i I'll, I'll say it here and and look this is you know obviously you know no ill will i mean they they have their their reasons but uh during the the rankings process and kind of the re-rankings process once senior seasons are complete um you know i'll kind of pat myself on the back here there was some some conversations I had with the folks at, at on three and they were trying to, you know, do some re-rankings and they asked, you know, is there anybody in the Ole Miss signing class that you think should, we should take a look at? And I, I said, Quinshawn Judkins. Um, and, and it was, and I get it. It was kind of a weird senior season to evaluate because he played at a program at Pike road that went undefeated. They won the state championship and they pretty much blew everyone out. So he didn't play a lot of full games and if you can believe this, he was splitting carries with a 2025 prospect that already has a who's who list of offers. So it wasn't like he was a bell cow type type guy that, that ran the ball, you know, 30 times a game every week. And he still was able to run for tons and tons of yards in high school. But, you know, I told people, you know, the picture has been circulating now all year, but when Lane Kiffin was at a very cold, damp, legion field by himself watching him in a state championship game i told people i was like this should tell you something that this dude is special and everybody's seeing it now i mean over 1300 yards through 11 games as a true freshman in the sec is is pretty remarkable yeah i mean it's just and that's where it comes down to you know old miss obviously they did a good job recruiting him they did a good job of evaluating him because like you said sometimes you know, high school stats, just like even college stats or any stats really can be deceiving depending on the team, the situation, all that stuff. Um, and obviously they saw something special in, in Quinshawn Judkins. He's, he, he delivered everything they could have hoped for this year. Yeah. And I, I mean, pretty much done it kind of on his own. I mean, Zach Evans had a big time start to the year, but then he's been battling some nagging injuries, the concussion, um, so he's pretty much as a 18, 19 year old, I think he's 18. I'm not sure, but he's pretty much carried the the load for Ole Miss this year. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, everyone knows Ole Miss is going to run and they're still getting it done and credit goes to the offensive line with that and stuff like that too. But mm -hmm. you know, yeah, for it, sure. They, they just lined it up and said what they were going to do in the majority of games this year. It was, it was impressive. And to have that one-two punch just with Judkins and Evans, it, it was just really fun. And I, I wish, you know, it, it is a shame that these last couple games have gone the way they have. But it's, I still think people are going to look back at this offensive year, especially on the ground for Ole Miss. Is, you know, I mean, is it the most rushing yards in a season in program history? To, it's got a – I would it's think so. Probably in the modern era, definitely. Yeah, they're over three thousand. Um, yeah, so they, they played eleven games. That's probably what, like two hundred seventy rushing yards per game. That's like Air Force territory. Oh yeah, I mean they're still the top. You know, I non-service academy rush offense. There's two seventy-eight, and the closest one to them is Michigan, which Blake Corum has had a phenomenal year, and they're only at two forty-three. Um, yeah. So right there with them, uh, Judkins also broke the single season touchdowns record. He's at 16 now. Um, before this year, KO Dotley, Archie Manning, Deuce McAllister, and Brandon Bolden were all in a four way tie for first with 14. So he's broken that. I, look, eight, 
I don't know if he's going to get to showboat Boykin territory and score seven in one game, but he's definitely <laughs> probably has reservations for the all-time record that that do set with 37 in four years. Um, now, here's the thing is it would be pretty remarkable if he got close to or eclipsed that because I don't know if Juckins is going to be there for four years, but maybe he'll do it in three. But um, but yeah, just a just a phenomenal season. I mean, he's going to be a consensus, for, you know, freshman All American. Um, uh, just a yeah, like you said, a phenomenal, you know, evaluation. You know, finding him because a lot of people are turned off with prospects in Alabama when they're not offered by Alabama or Auburn, and he didn't get an Auburn offer until late. Alabama ne- never really pursued him. You know, they recruit nationally and had some other running back commits already in their in their class but i mean just a just a phenomenal job and then markwell blackwell the first year running backs coach has has really done a nice job of mixing those two in and then before bentley was hurt they were using him as well and then yeah i think the run game has been instrumental in darts maturity and growth throughout the year and just how he's been able to really mature in that offense and it's really helped him to where he's not had to do everything by himself. Oh, there's no question. I mean, because coming into the season, a lot of the focus was on Jackson Dart because obviously he was the new quarterback, USC transfer. I mean, there was a lot of got kind of a cool name. Um, yeah, you know all those things. I, there was just a lot of, you know, pre- I don't know if pressure is the right word, but there was a lot of emphasis on him. There was a lot of eyeballs watching what he's doing just like there is on most quarterbacks but I think after three or four games I mean he was almost a a role player as much as a quarterback can be and he was a good role player that's I'm not taking Mm -hmm. a slap at him or knocking him but you know he was just not the most important part of the Ole Miss offense for a lot of things And, and then he could like you said ease into it and then he could make some plays a little later and turn into you know not necessarily a a Bo Wallace, Chad Kelly type, but you know, a guy who could make plays and then maybe next year he can turn into that type of quarterback. But I think any time I, I think any quarterback would tell you that when a, when a running game is that successful, it makes their job 10 times easier. Yeah. I mean, that's been, you know, the, that that's kind of what I was saying in the early going of the season. And, and you know, in the preseason, I don't think anybody thought Judkins would be this good, but Zach Evans was a, you know, big time transfer that they got. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, hey, they're going to have this really talented, proven guy. And then they have a really good freshman and everybody was high on him in in the preseason. So most people thought like, hey, this is going to be perfect for Dart to get settled in the system and not have too much pressure on him to do everything. And I think that it's been it's it's definitely you know essentially just played out exactly like that so um i think it's been a it's been a perfect mix of where he hasn't had to do everything by himself and he still had a productive year through the air you know throwing for over 2300 yards um you know 16 touchdowns and then he's still you know he's run for over 500 um so that it's it's been a true dual threat even though it's been such a run heavy and very successful rushing offense. They're still able to throw the ball. And then the one thing that goes unnoticed is Jonathan Mingo, Malik Heath are both over 700 yards receiving on the year. And I think the, the notion of, well, you know, they, 
all they do is run the football. Like, no, they they still, you know, kind of have that score from far mentality where they're going to hit the big play. You know, both Mingo and, and Heath have combined for 88 receptions and over 1,500 yards receiving and nine touchdowns. So they're still mixing it in, and Kiffin's still, you know, he's finding those those chances to take shots downfield. Yeah, I mean, just as a general overview to the season, we're not talking about the Arkansas game. If you just take the stats, I mean, I think a lot of coaches, this would be their dream way essentially to move the ball. You know what I mean? Have a, just a dominant running game and then be able to go up top if you need to and be able to hit that when, it, when it's necessary. I mean, just from a purely statistical standpoint, a production standpoint, what they've done this year. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes it was a little uneven as far as especially the receivers depended on which game. But, uh, you know, sometimes Ole Miss was just running the ball so well that they didn't have to go through the air that much. And so mm-hmm. I, I just think that if you just generically, if you could take, you know, the team name off of it, the player names off of it and be like, OK, this is running back one is going to run for thirteen hundred eighty five yards. Running back two is going to run for nine hundred. Your quarterback's going to go for twenty three hundred yards, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions. You know, you have two really solid receivers, you know, all all these different things. I I just think almost every coach in the country would jump at this over just about it. I mean, it's 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 almost like the perfect mix of how to win games. Like, But obviously, you've got to have the defensive aspect to it and then all that other stuff. But purely offensively, I think it was pretty much a dream season for the most part. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. We're going to take our first break when we come back. We'll preview uh, the Egg Bowl on Thursday. We'll look ahead and uh, see if Ole Miss can bounce back. They've now lost two in a row, uh, going for win number nine at home on Thanksgiving night. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta Catfish to Smash Burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. From weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild in South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. Show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. Show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, the driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. 
Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. And we are back here on Daytime Fireworks. Zach Barry, David Brandt with you. All right, David, let's get into it. It's Thursday night, 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Ole Miss hosting Mississippi State. Mississippi State coming off of a 56-7 thrashing of ETSU. Um, This one, I... I hate to do the over analyze of it because of two two losses in a row. Um, I still think this Ole Miss team matches up really well against this Mississippi State team. I have kind of said it all throughout the year that this is a Mississippi State offense that is basically the same as they were last year, except they don't have an NFL left tackle. And the run game is not nearly as good as it was a year ago. I kind of feel like it's somewhat of a wash at receiver for Mississippi State. I feel like they are still pretty good at receiver. Um, Ra-Ra Thomas has had a great year. And you've got Will Rogers, who's thrown for over 3,000, 32 touchdowns. You know what you're getting with this offense, the air raid. Um, They were able to stymie it the last two seasons, um, but different personnel, different coordinator. How do you think that Ole Miss stacks up against them this week? Well, I mean, I, I think offensively Ole Miss is going to score. I think this game comes down to if Ole Miss can tackle in space. They didn't tackle very well against Arkansas, obviously, which is why everyone is so disappointed. Not the only reason, but one of the very major reasons. And Mississippi State absolutely dominates teams that can't handle that aspect of the game because that's what they do. They spread you out. and They try to make you make one-on-one plays. I do think Ole Miss has the talent and athleticism to do that, but you just have to do it. And so I, I think Ole Miss offensively, is going to be fine. I think they'll run the ball well. I I think they'll score in the, you know, at least in the 30s. I think this could be a pretty high-scoring game, obviously. Um, It just, I hate to simplify it too much, but I just, if Ole Miss can tackle in space, I think they win the game, and they could win it pretty handily. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. It's, yeah, I mean, Leach is not going to change who he is. He's not going to change his identity or his team's identity. He's going to do what he does. I mean, he, for, you know, I don't know, you could say it's one of his faults where he's just kind of who he is and he's not going to change. Um, no, they might, I don't know. I, over the years of watching Leach, I was always a fan of how he did things at Texas tech. I like some of those teams and, you know, who doesn't like watching Texas lose on the last play. And, um, <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of always just been kind of the same guy. I mean, even in that Cotton Bowl when they jumped out to a 14-0 lead and Ole Miss came back and beat them, they didn't really adjust much. They, You could probably make a case that they run the ball a little bit more this year. Um, I think that that might be it. But they're just, like you said, they're going to – the intermediate passing game – and they're going to make you tackle in space, and then they're going to kind of take their shots here and there downfield. But other than that, 
they are, yeah, they're just kind of who they are. And I think they're going to really press the issue because of how bad Ole Miss was tackling in space last week. They're going to really try to make Ole Miss defend them all the way down the field. Uh, Last year, they were able to get after Will Rogers because of Sam Williams, and he had a big game, and they were able to kind of really shut down one side or the other with him and his ability to get after the quarterback. They, um, they're going to, they're going to really need to mix things up. They're going to need to bring pressure. And I think that they're probably not as good as they were at certain spots a year ago on defense. I mean, you know, expert analysis there for me. I mean, you lose several NFL guys, but I mean, I think that they've got some, some pieces there with Aishim Young, with Darius Tennyson, you know, new guys on the defense that can bring unique pressures from different angles and different, different spots. But again, it's just, you're going to have to tackle better. I mean, they were in position all last week against Arkansas, but they just could not make the play and, you know, force a third and medium or a third and long. They were just missing guys in space. And that's all Mississippi state is going to do. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what a Mike Leach offense does. I'm looking – this is incredible. I'm looking at State's receivers. They've got nine guys who have caught at least 22 passes for 230. I, I mean, the, the parity between their top nine receivers is incredible. Nobody's over 45 receptions. Nobody's under 22. Nobody caught more than 600 yards receiving nobody it's just i mean yeah they're just gonna they're gonna spread the ball around you never know where it's going and wherever you are you better be ready to make a tackle and i think if Ole miss can do that like i said i think they're in really really good shape uh but you know that's you got to make the number one thing the number one thing the number right now Ole miss per espn is favored by two and a half i think they opened at five and a half i'm really interested in that i don't know if that's maybe vegas is is putting a lot of emphasis on the distraction that is the auburn job uh, i know that a lot was put on that after the arkansas game um i still think old miss matches up well against mississippi state i think that it, it's at home and i, I kind of feel yeah, like that that helps too i agree yeah, I mean, if this was if this was down in Starkville, I think it'd be a, a very different type of atmosphere. It'd, it'd be a different vibe to this game. But I don't know. I, I like Ole Miss in this spot. I, I, I like for them to to win a close one because more times than not, unless it's just a really good defensive showing and, and Mississippi State turns it over, their offense is kind of built to slow the game – slow the game down on their end, you know, play some keep away, have these long, you know, monotonous drives where they just dink and dunk you. And then once the field gets smaller, you know, you got to make your plays. So outside of, you know, picking off Will Rogers a couple of times, I mean, I think this game is, is probably going to be in the mid to high twenties, maybe gets into the thirties just because I, I, I like for Ole Miss to run the ball at Mississippi state and to have success there. So I like Ole Miss here. Um, the total is 58 and a half. That's pretty close to where it could end up being. Yeah, um, that's a that's a good over-under. 
Um, yeah. I would, I, yeah, I'd be tempted to take the under on that. I just feel like 32-24, yeah. something like that. But that's, yeah, that's, that's a good – that's a good over under though. That's going to be close. Yeah, I I like that that pick there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I this this I mean, obviously, it could go one of two ways. I mean, you either win or you lose. But I feel like this is a game where you kind of see what kind of culture Ole Miss has, what kind of cultures in that locker room. You get a you you get a good look at the leadership. You know, you lose a really emotional just draining game against Alabama where Ole Miss, you know, had the lead. They essentially played Alabama as good as you could. Bryce Young was just Superman in a couple spots, and then they just couldn't get it done at the very end. Um, I don't think it's a it's a secret at this point that that game hit that locker room really hard. There were some guys that were really emotionally drained after that game and and just being so close to winning – and then you lose to Arkansas on the road and just a really demoralizing fashion going down big early. And then, you know, you score 21 in the fourth quarter, but it was over at that point. I look for, you know, I want to see how this team responds. I want to see, you know, how is how are the first eight minutes of this game? Yeah. You know, are they gonna, they're going to come I think out. The first quarter is really important. I agree. Yeah. Like, you know, are you going to stay true to your identity? Be physical, run the football, you know, set the tone. Um, you know, how how is that going to, you know, how's that first quarter going to go? And and I will say, now they outside of the fumble, the early play calling in that Arkansas game was very interesting. Like they mixed in some runs here and there, but it was not your traditional, you know, come right at you. They were doing a lot of jet sweeps and they were throwing the football early and having success. I do wonder how are they going to attack this Mississippi state defense? Are they going to kind of go back to the bread and butter and run it? Or are they going to, you know, maybe it's not what Mississippi state is expecting and kind of let Jackson dart spin it and, and throw it out to Malik Keith and Jonathan Mingo and those guys. Yeah. It will be interesting to see what they do. I think when it comes to like, I think like you mentioned, when you talk matchups and just across the board, I think Ole Miss is a little more talented than Mississippi State at most spots. I think just in a vacuum, Ole Miss is a is a little bit of a better team. I, I think, you know, you look at Mississippi State's schedule, obviously they blew out ETSU last week. Um, you know, they struggled to close out Auburn a few weeks ago. They lost pretty handily to Georgia, to Alabama, to they lost by 10 to a Kentucky team that's now a shell of its former self. But uh you know, I, I just there's there's nothing that really shows me that Mississippi State, especially on the road, can beat a really good team that's playing well. Now, I do think they can beat a team that doesn't play well and is down from those two losses and doesn't execute and those things. But um, but yeah, I, I just I, I'm interested to see. I, I I have a feeling if I were Lane Kiffin, I think this is going to be. Um, stick with your strengths type game. I, I don't see him going crazy with, you know, just like changing the game plan. I think it's going to be a lot of Judkins and Evans, you know, with Dart in the passing game, you know, supplementing that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think this is Ole Miss's game to lose, but they could certainly lose it because Mississippi state is, is a solid team. I, I just think that Ole Miss should have the advantage if it plays well. Yeah, looking at the numbers, State gives up close to four and a half yards of carry, over 140 yards on the ground. 
um, which is not bad. I mean, it's good enough for in like the 50s or 60s, if I remember looking at it correctly. Um, their pass defense is pretty solid. Um, you know, Emmanuel Forbes has had a, a really good year, and they typically, by the numbers, defend the pass pretty well. But, you know, looking at numbers like that, in this game on the Ole Miss side, Ole Miss is 53rd in the country in passing yards allowed, you know, giving up just over 215. Um, but it's a different passing attack, as as you and everyone else knows with the air raid. It's it's not your your typical, you know, drop back looking to throw these deep in routes and you know stretching the field. I mean, it's it's the it's essentially you know picking you apart with you know these little three and four yard routes. So it just I think this comes down to tackling in space, and that's just been kind of the bugaboo for for Ole Miss. I mean, they they tack they did tackle really well in the Alabama game for the most part. They did have some big missed tackles late. Um, but they were able to get off the field and and they stopped Alabama plenty. Um, they made a lot of plays in the in the AM game on the road and then early in the year against Kentucky, they were able to make plays. So I I think you nailed it where you said that's what this is going to come down to. It's going to come down to making those, you know, tackles in the open field and, you know, forcing state into these third and longs and getting them out of their comfort zone. Cause they like to get into those third and four or third and fives where they can really stress you with the crossing routes and, 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 and really making you defend them, you know, five to six seconds. So it's a combination to me of tackling in space and you've got to get pressure on Will Rogers or he's just going to pick you apart. Yeah, I think from a just on the field perspective, that's absolutely true. And then, you know, for Ole Miss, I think it's and the tackling is part of this, but it's going to just be a real it's a mental challenge. Like you said, the culture of the locker room, they've lost three of four. You know, they were riding high a few weeks ago talking about SEC championships, all these different things. And now, you know, obviously none of that's going to happen. So, you know, their their coaches, the rumor of of other other jobs, Um, you know, I, I think this is it's it's partly tackling and it's partly between the ears. And I think those two things are sort of interconnected in a weird sort of way. Like I said, I think Ole Miss is a little more talented across the board. They're at home, which I think helps. Um, But yeah, it's about, you know, these are college kids, 18, 22 years old, and are they going to be up for the game? And I think they'll be up for it, but it's just in, in football, it doesn't take much for another team like emotionally, to, to get an advantage. And if, if Ole Miss is not ready to tackle 50 times, at least probably in space because of how much they throw the ball, then it's going to be a long night. I, I, for all the, the gripes and, you know, moaning and groaning of the three, two, six, I feel like it's a, it's a defensive scheme that can handle the air raid because you have so many defensive backs on the field. So you're not, you're not asking a lot of linebackers to cover in space. You you have guys with that particular skill set that can handle it. Um, so I mean, I think if they if they stay healthy and and are pretty sound and and their assignments, I think yeah. I mean, it's definitely a it's a defense where you can handle the air raid. But yeah, it's just you're gonna have to go and and they stress you to the max with the tackling in space and and having to defend 
you know, 10 to 14 play drives outside of, you know, a three and out or a turnover um, just because of the way they operate. So it's, um, it's a hell of a matchup. Um, I got Ole Miss winning a close one. The number's two and a half, so I'm going to say they cover. I think they win by five or six. Are you still leaning that way too? Yeah, that makes sense to me. I just, you know, it just feels like a good game and then Ole Miss pulls away a little bit late and manages a way, a way to pull it out. So, like, a, when we were talking about the over-under, it feels like a 31-24-ish type of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what Mississippi State does defensively with Zach Arnett's defense. I don't think they're as talented as they were a year ago, and they've they've had some games where they've somewhat been exposed, um, you know, giving up 33 to an Auburn team that was at the time was kind of reeling. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested if they're going to try to stack the box and force Dart to beat them. And that, to me, doesn't sound as bad as it did maybe – three or four weeks ago where I think Dart is comfortable enough to to deliver the football. He made some really big throws in that Bama game. And then even with the game being lopsided against Arkansas, uh, Arkansas is a team that gets after the quarterback pretty well, and he was able to navigate the pocket and, and to deliver some balls that um, were some big throws. So this is, this, this is going to be a fun one. I, I think that it's going to be quite the contrast in styles and – I mean, it's kind of a game where, you know, maybe this is a Jackson Dart coming out party where he kind of puts together the the complete game if they try to bottle up Judkins and Evans. Yeah, and we've talked about all year that, you know, somebody was going to make Jackson Dart beat them. And I, I think at this point, you know, Jackson Dart hasn't had to necessarily throw for like 400 yards and go crazy, but I, I think he's more than capable of, doing the things he needs to do. I mean, Judkins and Evans have to do their thing to some degree, mm-hmm. uh, but but I, I think Jackson Dart's more than capable of of handling himself if, if he needs to put it on his shoulders at this point. And if he's not, then you kind of have a problem. But there's nothing that, that keeps yeah. me, and I don't mean like a problem just on Thursday, just a problem going forward. Um, but there's nothing to me, again, I, I you know, I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers or anything like that, but he, you know, I, I think he's proved a, a more than capable SEC quarterback. Yeah, I, I think the the two games that come to mind for me on the road at AM and then Vandy, where Clark Lee and that defense finally got to the point where they were just like, all right, we're going to make you beat us through the air. And he did that. Um, he had a big game. That was the one, you know, over 400 yard game he had. Had some really big throws. Um, I think the that was kind of that is the Vanderbilt Commodores <laughs> at this point, by the way. W- winners of two straight, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think that was kind of he, he. Dart would probably tell you this. That was probably the game where he kind of had you know let out that big exhale of like, okay, like I'm in it, like I'm good because right. It was it was it was touch and go early. He had some. Had some really good throws and he had some really bad throws. He would probably tell you to tell you that. Um, and then yeah, AM. I mean, it, look, for all the struggles that they've had, they're they're extremely talented up front. And Dart was able to make some big throws in that game and to extend, you know, drives with his legs. I think that's another thing. I mean, he's a lot like Matt Corral in that, where you can get after him and 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 seemingly bottle him up and he can kind of escape and maneuver and you know, he's bigger, he's a little more physical than Matt Corral was, and he can get out and, and get those first downs with his legs. 
Um, so yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Um, I think Ole Miss wins a close one. I, I I look for them to rebound here. I think that the the leadership in that locker room, especially on the defensive side, I think there are some guys that are going to step up. And I think on offense, the the offensive line has got some some older guys that are going to step up and they're going to want to bounce back here. So, um, all right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back. We'll look at week 13 in the sec and give our picks on how we think this, uh, this final week of the regular season goes. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Podcast brought to you by protection Unlimited incorporated the mid South leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24 7, 365. You can reach them via phone at 901 754 6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at SaddleCreekTitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. Give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And we are back here on Daytime Fireworks, third and final segment. All right, let's jump to Friday here. Arkansas at Missouri, 2.30 CBS. Man. Um, that could be a sneaky, like, really good game. Yeah. Um, you know, don't look you now, know, but Missouri's five and six. They're battling for some some bowl eligibility. And, you know, Arkansas is a different team when K.J. Jefferson's healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's just two teams that have momentum for different reasons or different reasons to play, have at times looked really good this year, at times looked terrible. I mean, I, I just think that has all the bakings of a like an under-the-radar, you know, Thanksgiving coma. You know, you're, you're like eating leftovers, and suddenly you're surprised that at 4 p.m. you're just glued to the Arkansas-Missouri game. I think Arkansas pulls it out, but I, I do think too. that's a good game. I like Arkansas to win here. The line's only three. It's not going to be too cold, at least per AccuWeather on ESPN. It's saying 48. Nah, that's, that's not bad. Late late November in Columbia, Missouri. I've been there before. That's not bad. Yeah, I, I this one could get a little a little uh you know, a little score happy. The the total is fifty five. I I kind of lean in towards the over here. I think that this one might get pretty fun. Um, yeah, I'm thinking like a 30, 32, 28 win, something like that for Arkansas. I think Missouri is going to be a little spunky, but I like the hogs here to, to get that seventh win. Yeah. I just think both teams are going to kind of let it all hang out. You know what I mean? Like they're, you know, they have different reasons and, you know, try some different stuff. I just think it could be a really fun game in that mediocre sec type of way. Although Arkansas didn't look very <laughs> mediocre, and Arkansas didn't look very mediocre last week, I'll give them credit for that. Yeah. They 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 looked much better. Don't look now, but uh, the Florida State Seminoles are going for win number nine on Friday, six thirty Central Time, hosting the Gators. Florida's reeling at this point. Um, I think the weirdest thing about that game last week against Vandy was Anthony Richardson had a good game. Yeah, and their defense—I mean, they just could not stop Vandy, which is a weird sentence to to say on a podcast. But I mean, he what he threw for over—he threw for four hundred or three hundred. Um, let me let me look. I'm looking at the box oh, he threw, score right now. Threw for four four hundred and three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, twenty five for forty two, four hundred yards. If you told me that Anthony Richardson threw for four hundred and three touchdowns, I would have told you that Florida coasted to a win, but. That obviously wasn't the case. Um, Florida State, man, they're kind of 
they're kind of good. Jordan, uh, Jordan Travis is, you know, 21 touchdowns, just four picks on the year. Um, former Mississippi high school prospect Trey Benson is is toting the rock for the Seminoles over 800 yards rushing. Um, they've got a really fun one in Johnny Wilson out at uh out at receiver six seven two thirty five. He's a he's wow. a nightmare. Um, I like the Knowles here. It's the they're they're giving nine and a half. Um, it'll probably be closer than that just because of the rivalry aspect, but I like Florida state to win this one. I do too. I just don't know what to make of Florida at this point. I mean, they get that dominating win over South Carolina who then turns yeah. around and just has an amazing win over Tennessee. And then you lose too. And Vandy was playing a little better and they got some confidence, but still you lose to Vandy. And so what happens this week? I have no idea. I mean, Florida state, Seems like it's been a little more consistent. One more games. I'll go with them. Nine and a half seems like a stretch, like you said, but I'll go with the Seminoles. But yeah, what a weird couple weeks for Florida. <laughs> like, yeah, because that bizarre. South Carolina win was up there with one of the more impressive wins, I thought, of the yeah, season sure. so far. Just because because South Carolina obviously is starting to feel itself, was playing better, and they just got whooped. And then you turn around and lose. So who knows? But yeah, you know, I I do think Anthony Richardson can obviously put up big numbers and cause problems for people. So I think that's a good game, but it's at Florida State. It's in Tallahassee. I think they pull it off. Yeah, Saturday, eleven a.m. ESPN. Even though they had a big win last week, we don't have to spend too much time on this one because I don't think it matters. Georgia Tech traveling to Athens. Georgia Tech. Upset North Carolina kind of ended Drake May's Heisman campaign. I just don't think it matters here. Too much Georgia. Um, I mean, they're destined to to run the table, go to Atlanta and take on an LSU team that I think that they're better than. Um, back-to-back undefeated years in the SEC is a big accomplishment for Kirby Smart and that bunch. Um, the number is 35 and a half. Ooh. I, man – this could be one of those where like they just get bored and, you know, win something like 38 to three um, to where you just miss a cover. But even though Georgia tech's been playing some inspired football under Brett Pry, I just don't think they have enough here. Oh, I don't, I certainly don't think they have enough to win. I think they could, you know, get it closer than 35. Cause I, I just think like Georgia's going to, kind of take the air out of the ball once they get a lead. I just think it's going to be something like 38 to 10. Yeah. Um, Weird to see this one, not a night game. Also at 11 a.m., that South Carolina team we were just talking about travels to Clemson. This one, very interesting. Yeah, that could get, that could get interesting. I, Man, I look, they showed a lot, and, you know, I kind of think – so I said this as we were we were watching it, and my wife is a, is a South Carolina alum, so she was obviously in a good spot. Um, I thought that the way that they won and way that they dominated that Tennessee game, and it was over pretty early in the third um, – and then when, you know, unfortunately Hendon Hooker goes down and it's, you know, now he's, it's, it's 
been released that he tore his ACL, which is just a bummer because he was having a no, phenomenal year. Yeah, that's that sucks. But I'm not sure if that would have mattered, you I, know, just from that man. from the game standpoint. But I, you know, I mean, they, what was interesting to me is you you've talked to me all year about how South Carolina just their offensive play calling was weird and they wouldn't let Spencer Rattler go and like they finally did and the results were were quite impressive. Yeah, and I, and I don't. I mean, I think Shane Beamer was kind of jokingly when he said it that he. I think in his press conference he said that Marcus Satterfield called every single play on Saturday. Um, I mean, the way that they mixed in. Dakirian Joyner, he came in and had some design runs. They let him throw it a little bit. Um, I, the way that they've utilized Jaheim Bell in their offense has really helped them in the last couple of weeks outside of the Florida game. I mean, he is six three, two receiving two, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, six three, two thirty. They let him run it. I mean, I, it's obviously because Marshawn Lloyd is is banged up and he's not playing. And before he got hurt, he was having a great year. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a he's a he's a threat to receive it out of the backfield. He runs it well for a guy that's on the roster as a tight end. And then, I, I mean, look, that was vintage Spencer Rattler on Saturday. I mean that that looks yeah. like the Oklahoma Heisman. Right, that was the guy I remembered. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I remember this guy. I mean, he he's was really good. Yeah, he was making throws that were big time. I mean, he was making some NFL caliber throws. And Tennessee just didn't have an answer. Um, but the way that they won that game, I don't think it's going to be too hard. You know, yeah, it was an emotional big win. You know, they stormed the field. You know, you beat a top five team like a drum. I mean, they, you know, put a 60 burger on them. I don't think it's going to be too hard for them because it wasn't like it was a, you know, bite your fingernails, grit your teeth, you know, last second field goal to win. I mean, they whipped them. So I kind of feel like this could be a way to just kind of keep riding that high through this week in practice and then get ready for a rivalry game against Clemson, who, you know, is, is, it's not vintage, same old Clemson. Now they're still 10 and one and they're a top 10 team, but it's not your typical, you know, shut you down defense and an elite quarterback. They've juggled the, you know, Uyangalele and then the the freshmen um, have kind of shuffled in and out, and I think that I don't know if South Carolina can beat them, but I think they can definitely cover fourteen and a half. It's fourteen and a half. Oh, I definitely think South Carolina. I I, I would feel pretty good about that one, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's at Clemson. Clemson's been playing pretty well lately. You know, they beat Louisville, then they beat Miami by 30 points. Um, yeah, I, I think Clemson's pretty good. But like you said, kind of like we talked about Alabama a few weeks ago, you know, they're, Alabama was good. They just weren't quite as, you know, indestructible as usual. And I think that kind of mm -hmm. applies to this Clemson team this year. They're still pretty good. They've got a lot of talent everywhere. But uh, they're, they're just not indestructible. So I – I think Clemson probably pulls it out, but it it's a good game. I'll be watching. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, two o'clock SEC Network, seven and four Louisville at six and five Kentucky. Um, Mark Stoops just got the big contract extension, making more than John Calipari now, which is man, you want to talk about something you didn't think you'd ever say? That's pretty football school. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just crazy. Um. 
Man, I Kentucky's given three and a half here. I kind of lean Kentucky here, even though Louisville's kind of had a, a sneaky good year when a lot of people thought that that, that was, you know, it was kind of getting hot seat territory there at, at Louisville. Um, I like the Wildcats here. I think Levis, you know, senior day, Chris Rodriguez, Barry I, and Brown. I think, I think Kentucky, Kentucky has one more game in them. You know, one more solid yeah. game left in them, and I think they 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 take care of business. I think Louisville's decent. They've obviously, like you said, they've played much much better the past like month and a half. Yeah, um, had some nice wins. That win over Wake Forest was was really nice. And beating NC State, they you know managed to Clemson wasn't a blowout. So mm-hmm. eh, this is a good team, but I I kind of think Kentucky has one more left in them. Yeah, and Malik Cunningham's kind of been a little bit of a disappointment through the air. Now, he's run it extremely well, over 500 yards, 11 touchdowns on the ground, but I think Kentucky's just going to kind of sit on him here and run the football with Rodriguez, maybe take some shots deep with Barry and Brown. But, yeah, I think this one is – I mean, the total's only 43. I think that that's kind of, kind of indicative of how Vegas thinks this game is going to go, and I kind of agree with them. I think – Kentucky just wins a, a rock fight and um, just kind of handles Louisville. Like, I don't think it's a blowout, but I think they win by 10 points. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, like 28-17 or something like that, 28-20. Yeah. I don't know. But, but, yeah, I think Kentucky – Kentucky looked too good for – I just think they have one more good game left. Yeah. All right, getting into the uh, the final three on the SEC slate here, and I think these are going to be three good ones. Um varying degrees of good however you uh you want to you want to use that as a qualifier um 230 saturday iron bowl in tuscaloosa tell you what auburn's getting 21 and a half and i definitely think that they can cover that and i think it's just it's the iron bowl it's gonna be stupid and dumb and weird and I think Cadillac's got that team fired up and they're playing some inspired football. And I like Auburn to cover the number here. I think Alabama wins it. I think it's going to be really close, though. Um, Looking at it, though, the number per ESPN, Auburn is a plus 1,050 on the money line. So if you you want to sprinkle some... Some coin down for the upset. <laughs> it's gonna pay Little out. Some fairy dust, hopefully. It, yeah. yeah. Um, no, that that that's a game that could get weird. I agree. Yeah. I think you know it's in Tuscaloosa. I you know Cadillac has done a great job of rallying that team and you know making them competitive. Um, yeah. And I I do think they cover. I do. I I don't think it's like a you know, like a kick six type of game or anything like that. But I, I think Alabama wins by about kind of the same thing, that Kentucky Louisville game. It's good for mm-hmm. a while. And then Alabama eventually handles it down the stretch. I think it's a, I don't know if I want to say a comfortable win, but you know, something like 34 to 21, something like that. Another one that I guess is technically a rivalry game, six o'clock ESPN LSU travels to college station. The number is, Nine and a half. I'm laying the points with LSU. I just don't think AM can get up for this one. I know 
at least I, I didn't watch it, but at least what I heard was that the weather was less than ideal in College Station last week, but, man, they had a terrible crowd. I mean, people were filing out at halftime. They were only up, what, 10 nothing or 10-3 to at halftime. Um, yeah. Uh, LSU is, is I think, ramping up for that matchup with Georgia and, and Atlanta for the SEC championship. Um, I don't think they can get into the playoff. I mean, they'd have to win this one and then upset Georgia and then get some help. Um, but I, I like – LSU in the spot. I just you you talked about Kentucky. They have one more game in them. I don't think A and M has one more game in them. No, that's it's a completely different. Situation. Who would have thought that in week thirteen now Texas A and M out of fourteen SEC teams has the worst SEC record? They are one it's, and six. They are the it's crazy. Worst. It's they crazy. Are the worst team in the SEC. Worse than by, Vanderbilt by, by the numbers. Worse. Yeah. I mean that's. That's what happens when you come for Nick Saban, Jimbo. Mm-hmm. You, you end up. It's wow. I mean, like, and and I, as far as the game goes, I feel the exact same way. I think, you know, LSU. I had some questions about early. I still don't think they're, you know, in the class of the Georgias of the world or anything like that. But I, mm-hmm. I, I think this is a pretty good team at this point. Um, they've, yeah, you know, I, they've I, proven it. They've beaten Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas in a row, and then they handled mm-hmm. UAB last week. I. I think they're good. Yeah. I don't think A&M, like you said, can – you know, it's not like they're playing for even bowl eligibility or anything. They're just playing totally for pride, and I, you know, I just – Well, it's – I don't think there's that much pride left to salvage. Yeah, and you, you look at their last five games outside of the win over UMass last week, I mean, they just lost a lot of close games. I mean, the Florida game was not – it was close for a little bit, but not really. Um, but you lose 13-10 to Auburn. You lose 31-28 to Ole Miss, and you lose 30-24 to to South Carolina. And I just think that's just too many just, you know, just haymakers to the chin where especially, yeah, you're not playing to go to a bowl. You're not playing to get a better bowl. Like like you said, it's just pride. And, man, I just feel like this team has just really quit on Jimbo. So I like LSU to to handle this one on the road. I agree. I I think – you summed it up about the way I would have. <laughs> All right, last one. And, man, you want to talk about weird. This one has the potential to get very weird. The nightcap, 630, SEC Network. Tennessee travels to Vandy. We already mentioned no Hendon Hooker. He's out for the year. They're good. They're, they're going to turn to Joe Milton, I presume. Um, Man, no, no playoff now for Tennessee. You have to think it's just demoralizing to lose your your leader in Hendon Hooker and and Vandy is playing for bowl eligibility. They're five and six now. They have really kind of we we've kind of poked fun at them where we're like, all right, Vandy had their fun in September. Like now it's time to revert back to the mean. Um, but look, I AJ Swan's had a great year. Um and and I I really like Ray Davis. Um, he's been really good for Vandy. He's close to a thousand yards. Um, has a good shot to get over the the thousand yard mark in this one. And then Vandy's got some sneaky receivers that are some guys that that could be dudes in my opinion at other schools. And um, uh, Will Shepard and um, oh what's his name. Uh, Jaden McGowan, two guys that are really, really talented. And 
man, I just I, I don't know if if I'm calling for the upset or calling for the win, but Vandy's getting 14, and and man, I feel like this one has a chance to get really squirrely down on West End. Yeah, I, I just don't have a great feeling for this one. Just because, I, I mean, I know about Joe Milton. You know, he's he's played well in the time that he's, you know, had in games and everything. He's got a rating of 275.6. I know, you know, statistics. <laughs> speaking of statistics, but, yeah. um, you know, but I, I think it kind of comes down to him. I think if they get solid quarterback play, I mean, you know, it's hard to expect him to be like Hendon Hooker, who was just amazing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think if they get good quarterback play, I mean, I know, I know that it's, it's been a rough time, but I, I really, I actually think Tennessee, this feels like one of those where it goes opposite of the way that things, because obviously you think about it, Tennessee is, is really down after that South Carolina loss. Vanderbilt's playing for bowl, bowl eligibility. They've gotten some big wins. I just think this is where inexplicably Vanderbilt loses by like 28. Yeah. I think it's going to be like 42 to 14 Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, that could very well happen. I mean, I think Heupel and that staff have done a nice job this year um, with their – And that's – that's I think Heupel is going to be pretty good at getting this team up for the game, um, as up as you can. I mean, and mm-hmm. there's always – you know, it was an emotional loss last week. But, like – but the way they lost, again, I mean, Hooker getting hurt kind of changes the calculus. But, again, it wasn't like a last second – you know, you you almost were over the fact that you lost – Mm-hmm. By the time, you know what I mean? Like by the, by the end of that night, I, I don't yeah. know if it'll linger. So we'll see, yeah, I, but I, I just, it feels, I think Tennessee's a really good football team. And I think Hendon Hooker was a big reason for that, but just judging from Joe Milton's stats, you know, what he's done in limited action this year, I, I, I think they're in decent hands and I think they'll, they'll handle themselves. Yeah. I, I saw the quote that, after the game, Heifel said, you know, I want this one to sting for a while, basically. Like, I don't have the the exact quote in front of me, but he wanted his team to realize, you know, I think it was a way for him to, you know, hey, this is how close we were to having a special special year. And, you know, it should hurt. It should suck that, that you lose like that. But, yeah, I like Tennessee to win it. Um, I, I just think that Vandy's going to gonna do what Vandy does and they're going to run the football and, and play some keep away. They'll be solid defensively, but I think in in the end, just too many athletes, too much speed on the Tennessee side, and I think that they'll they'll hit some big plays. Milton, um, you know, he's he's not Hendon Hooker, but he's he, he can throw the deep ball. So you get guys like Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, Brew McCoy behind the defense, and I don't think Vandy can 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 really do anything to combat that. So I like Tennessee to win, but I think it's going to be at least interesting for a half. No, that wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised if it's it's a solid game for a while. But I, I just think I like Heifel. I like the way he, you know, has handled everything, I, you know, last week. I, I just think this is a team that's going to bounce back. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for week 13 in the SEC. We will uh, we'll be back next week recapping the final game of the regular season and then looking ahead to the uh, the postseason um, I know that some people still have Ole Miss pegged to go somewhere in Florida. I think if they win on Thursday, that will almost solidify at least going somewhere in the Sunshine State. I'd probably look at Tampa, maybe some Outback Bowl, maybe some Citrus Bowl. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll be back with more daytime fireworks next week. David, have fun down in Mexico. Enjoy the game and uh, safe travels back home. Absolutely. Good talking as always. All righty. That's going to do it. Thanks to you, the listener for tuning in. Thanks to the sponsors that make the show possible. And of course, thanks to David for uh, carving out some time while he's, uh, having a, having a, having a day in Mexico city. So, um, enjoy the, uh, the world cup and enjoy the game tonight. Until next week, we out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.